Welcome to Intermittent Signal. I'm David A. Westbrook. This is episode number 10. Welcome to New Country, part two. Part two comprises the next chapter in my book, Welcome to New Country, Music for Today's America, which is available on Amazon. If you want an introduction, you can listen to episode eight of these podcasts. The picture on the front of the book and the podcast link is by Robert Sudlow. He was a late impressionist who trained in France and always painted en plein air, that is, outside. Sounds better in French. Sudlow is significant hereabouts because he taught Kansans and others to see the beauty in the long, swelling horizontals. He spent his life teaching in Kansas, at KU mostly, and when we moved here, he was still alive. But I did not get to meet him. Sudlow was, in fact, a member of our church, I later learned. For our 20th anniversary, I bought the painting, Storm, that is on the cover of the book. Chapter 3. What is new about New Country? This book is mostly about New Country music. The phrase has wide use on the radio, like classic rock and alternative, and when you flip to a New Country station, you get it. But while I know New Country when I hear it works for most people day to day, this formulation is kind of unsatisfying. Just what does New Country mean? This whole book is an effort to answer that question, but first, let's think about this in terms of history. My grandmama, about whom I'll have more to say later, called anything sung with a twang hillbilly music. Even if she was hearing the most commercial song Nashville had to offer, what she had in mind was deeply traditional music, the singing of country people coming out of the musical traditions of England, Scotland, and Ireland, as played in the South, and sometimes influenced by contact with African music and instrumentation, with a heavy dose of church music. In addition, country music differs from bluegrass by adding a strong storytelling element. Country music tends toward the ballad. In this politically correct age, we might be more likely to call such music folk country music or even roots music. Such music was and is vital to the lives of many people, often deeply expressive and can be very beautiful. But roots music is not the topic of this book. Folk country music gave rise to the commercial country music represented by the Ryman Auditorium, the Grand Old Opry, Nashville, and the country music played on the first few generations of radio. Commercial country music differs from folk country in subtle ways. Something changed when just folk became the music industry, when a get-together at a barn became a recording broadcast over the radio. One thing that changed was percussion was added. Folk country music had been driven by strings. Another thing that changed shortly thereafter was amplification. For a long time, this new or revised kind of music, commercially produced, bluegrass-based music, adapted to tell a story with some percussion and amplification, simply was country music. This synthesis became a standard genre, what my daughter would call a thing, and a great deal of it is still on the radio. Let me call this second kind of music traditional country music made for radio, but before new country. As I've said, there's a fair amount of traditional country music around. Indeed, some very fine contemporary singers, such as George Strait, are seen as neo-traditional. New country is a vague name for a decisive shift in the country music tradition. When new country emerged in the 1980s, traditional country music was the music that new country was different from. I will try to define new country, I promise this entire book is an effort to define it, 
but a few words of caution are in order. Dividing music, or anything else, into historical periods easily can be overdone. I do not want to try and fail to make a razor-sharp distinction between these kinds of music. One should not put too much stock in historical labels. Many patterns, images, and influences reach across generations of songwriters, composers, and musicians. Things change, but that's not to deny that some things stay the same. Much new country bespeaks Appalachia, the Carter family, and before that, Ireland. For example, Brad Paisley, about as new country as they come, sings, listening to old Alabama, driving through Tennessee. And he's joined by the band Alabama, about as traditional as they come, to sing, verse 3, Play some back home come on music that comes from the heart. Play something with lots of feeling, because that's where music has to start. Caution taken, the question remains. Without overly sharp distinctions, in a rough and ready fashion, how is new country different? What aspects of traditional country music changed in the late 80s? At least for my purposes here, we can think about three types and very roughly eras of country music. Folk country, associated with bluegrass and other forms of roots music. Traditional country, associated with the rise of ballad, percussion, and amplification. And new country. As I've said, this book is mostly about the third, new country music. Which leaves us still trying to articulate what is new about the new country. Musically, new country sounds different, a lot closer to pop music. And a lot of pop music is pretty country, too, these days. Influences of rock and roll and even hip-hop can be heard. New country is more electric, we're calling Texas guitar music. If you want to draw a line, I would draw it with Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson, and Clint Black, especially Garth Brooks, who all broke out in the 1980s. Garth imported a lot of rock instrumentation and to lesser extent rhythms into country music. Second, he sold that fusion into new, much broader markets. Country music became among the most popular forms of music in America both in synthesizing musical styles and in reaching a much bigger-than-ever audience with that synthesis. Garth is like Elvis and has the record sales to prove it. One might also distinguish new country from traditional country on a regional basis. Country music has its roots in the South, and for a long time both the audience and radio stations playing traditional country music were largely Southern. Although the country music started in the South, new country has become popular all over the nation and songs are now written and performed for a national audience. For example, the Garth Brooks song, The Beaches of Cheyenne, is set in Malibu, California, and Cheyenne, Wyoming, hardly the South. Country music concerts are routinely given in Buffalo, New York, on the Canadian border. Canadians sing country, too. In every state, there's a station playing Cash, Hank, Willie, and Waylon, as new country stalwart Brantley Gilbert has it, tipping his hat to musical forebears. In short, new country is a national, not a regional, style. The evolution of the music industry has also contributed to the national character of new country music, in contrast to the relatively regional, southern feel of traditional country. Local radio stations have been bought up by huge corporations. Many people listen to their music via satellite networks. Songs written for these markets have to make sense from L.A. to New York City, not just in Nashville, much less Jonesboro, Tennessee. Songwriters who wish to be heard across so many markets best not offend or even really surprise the folks who control distribution. Critics say that new country is slicker, more corporate, more homogenous, and less authentic. As I've already let on, 
Much new country music is a sort of pop with a bit of a twang and some country vocabulary, perhaps a pickup truck. Many people did not and do not like it. In 2000, George Strait and Alan Jackson even released a song called Murder on Music Row about the death of real country music, drinking and cheating songs. From a corporate, if not an artistic perspective, they call it the music industry for a reason. This is mostly is not art for art's sake, even if some folks do play for fun, and maybe even to make art. New country music, like mass culture generally, is created to appeal to big audiences. New country music is written, performed, produced, and distributed by people in the business. And, of course, traditional country music sounds pretty slick and inauthentic to devotees of folk country, bluegrass, and so forth. The Grand Ole Opry has always had a bit of Disneyland about it. Both traditional and new country music celebrate stars, that is, are about celebrity and glamour, not exactly the same thing as artistic depth. So real, or authentic, country music has always been a confusing idea. Nonetheless, for many people, the corporate nature of the music industry is a problem, and they long for country music to get back to its roots. Understandably, perhaps, but commercial country music is where and how so many Americans live or want to imagine their lives. So I don't think that new country music should be dismissed altogether on account of being too corporate. That would be a little bit like criticizing Applebee's for having uninteresting food, the mall for its boring stores, or professional sports stars for being superficial. Said another way, the quest for artistic purity is not exactly misguided, but it is a little bit narrow. If we are at Applebee's, let's order some wings and beer and enjoy whatever game is on. For many of us, this is our town, our home, our music, and it means something. But what does it mean? New country is also, and this is crucial for my purposes, thematically different from traditional country. To get at that, I'll have to say a few words about genres. That is music or art that we understand in part because we know and understand the type of expression, like a western, or a murder mystery, or a country music song. New country is important respects a substantively different genre from the traditional country music that preceded it. The music David Allen Coe is talking about when he claims that David Goodman's revised You Never Even Called Me By My Name was the perfect country song. The song was perfect because it was not only a heartfelt song about love lost, but also treated mama, rain, prison, trains, and getting drunk. All the themes of country music as it was written and performed in 1975. Genres are largely defined by their themes, the concerns to which the artist gives expression. So, westerns are usually about the need for personal courage, fighting skills, and integrity in a land where evil men roam and the law is not yet well established. I think it is fair to say that rap music began as a protest against a social order that included ghettos, but quickly transformed itself to be about young people's, especially black people's, need for recognition, even glamour, clubs, brands, violence, self-promotion, as well as, of course, sex. Rock music is also about the self-definition of the young, but usually achieved through sexual acquisition. Murder mysteries are about, you get the point. So what is New Country about? What defines new country as a genre? What thematic shift happened with, and especially after, Garth Brooks? Answering that question in some detail is the purpose of this book. 
For now, however, new country is largely about the concerns of the middle, the middle-aged and middle class, often in the middle of the country. This perspective, the view from the middle, is in stark contrast to most forms of popular music, which, as I've said, tend to be about the central concern of young adults defining themselves. Years pass, however, and at some point, you are who you are. You have to leave the club or the honky-tonk, make some choices, settle down, and stop focusing on yourself. You have responsibilities, things that if you don't do might not get done, and you would have to live with that knowledge. New country is generally sung in the first person, but is largely about others and oneself in relation to others, to one's past and to the future. Spouse, parents, children, work, nation, God. So, one of the things we notice about new country music is the breadth of topics. Going fishing as metaphor for fatherhood follows a song about losing a brother in a war, follows a song about dancing with one's wife, follows a song about not drinking like one used to, follows a song about farmers' daughters in blue jeans, follows a song about motorboats, follows a song about Jesus. You're not supposed to sing about cancer, sings Brad Paisley, but this is country music. And we do. Taken together, these songs, addressing so many very human concerns, paint an appealing picture of an American way of life. New Country shows many people how they might imagine themselves and see their lives as successful. Songs about me, this is our country, and the like. New Country thus presents us with ways to imagine ourselves as, and so to be, American. But let me go much further. Most of us, when we think about art, are romantics. We concentrate on the great artist, the genius, think Beethoven, who impresses the world with the great work, the masterpiece, think the Ninth Symphony. From this perspective, it is easy to miss what is special about new country music. Less than four-minute songs, written by several authors, full of cliches, often performed by somebody else, and played on commercial music stations, may be catchy, clever, even moving, but genius? Beethoven needed and used more scope. Looking for individual works of creative genius, however, is not how to understand new country music, as I hope this book shows. Over the last few decades, a number of writers and singers, working in a frankly commercial context, have created a mosaic of middle-class American and at some deeper level, simply human, life. Each song is a bit of the picture, but you have to look at the songs together, like the stones in a mosaic, to get a sense of the whole. Commercial country music is a tremendous collective achievement, a great expression of our culture, on a par with the Broadway musical, and maybe even jazz. At least it's worth thinking about such things, and I want this book to make the case that new country music is that important to American culture. Of course country is different from the Broadway musical and from jazz. At some level, such comparisons are merely parlor games. But to play the game, the musical offers an approachable, even homey spectacle. Opera was never democratic. And at the same time, creates a sense, or at least a beautiful fantasy, that life fits together. Everybody knows the words and can dance. And jazz offers a tradition of individuality if that makes sense. A technically dazzling, formally precise, yet intensely individualistic expression of American sensibilities. 
What new country does is present ways to be an American. For the individual, country music is existential, to borrow the language of another time and context. What I mean by that is new country music takes the individual's everyday American life and asks ultimate questions. Life, death, and does it all matter anyway? We will discuss this at length. Politically, new country songs express much of many American lives, each song adding its own feelings, which harmonize if you listen. Taking these points together, new country music is mythical, and that's something. This has been Welcome to New Country Part 2 on Intermittent Signal. I'm David A. Westbrook. Until next time, be well.